T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Mr. Fryer. Let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Illinois season is over after their loss to Houston, which I thought would be not a great matchup for them if they were to meet in the second round of the NCAA tournament. You would think that me having Stephen Barter on, that I'm, I want to talk just about Illinois. It's not. like The reason that I wanted to talk with Stephen Bardo is that I saw a lot of stuff this weekend that made me angry. Like, this is a basketball fan. So I wanted to, to pick the brain of one of the smartest basketball people that's out there with Stephen Bardo. You should be following him. On social, at Stephen Bardo. Why? Because you can get an education on basketball and broadcasting from his Twitter and Instagram feed. He joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino hotline. <laughs> Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Best college basketball analyst in America. Stephen Bardo now joins me here on The Score. What's up, dude? How you doing, Lawrence? Good to be with you, my man. The same here. I, I'm frustrated, man. As someone that, that loves college hoops that loves to watch good basketball be played. I'm frustrated, and I want to explain why, and then I want to pick your brain. I'm frustrated because I see a lot of teams in the tournament that don't look like they practice in-game situations. I'm seeing mm. in, I'm seeing teams down multiple possessions doing dribble handoffs with 30 seconds left in the game at the top of the key. I'm seeing teams not ready to be trapped in the backcourt What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that, that you got you said a mouthful there, Lawrence, uh, and I can understand your frustration. Uh, there's a few games that pop up uh, in my memory when you were explaining uh, what you're upset about. You know, I, I just think that there's an there's an adage that down the stretch in college games, players make mistakes. Down the stretch in NBA games, players make plays. And I think what you're seeing is that 18 to 22-year-olds, they can be drilled for six to seven months on what to do in a certain situation. But funny things happen with the pressure of an NCAA tournament. And it's, you know, you're on a neutral site. It's, it's extremely hyped. A lot of things go into it. And guys, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, they just, they, they lose what their training has been up to that point at times. And they try to revert 
back to maybe what they think they can do and try to take the, the, the situation into their hands. Like, for example, I was watching the end of TCU and Arizona last night, the end of regulation, and I, I heard Steve Smith on the broadcast say that I would let the TCU guy go one-on-one, flatten out, and let him go one-on-one. Avery Johnson, one of the people on the broadcast, along with Lisa Byington, Avery Johnson said, I would do a high pick and roll. Well, if anybody saw that game last night, TCU chose to do a high screen and roll. The kid got trapped. He turned the ball over. And Arizona, are, yeah, they almost won in regulation. Um, I can't remember. Terry got the steal and almost got the layup before the time expired. He didn't. It went to overtime. Arizona won. But that's just one example of what you're talking about. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes, uh, Lawrence, is on the players. Sometimes it's on the coaches. Sometimes I think they're stubborn, they're a little bit hard-headed, and they're a little resistant in those late-game situations to try to adjust to what's actually going on. I couldn't believe what I was seeing in the Baylor-North Carolina game because oh, wow. what, yeah. what we were seeing is like, okay, this is exactly what a team that's down 25 points in the second half is going to do. They're going to they're gonna press, they're going to trap, they're going to try and force the entry pass into the corner – and it, it kept happening. And I'm going, what's going? <laughs> like, I was screaming at my TV, just going, you got to understand that you can't inbound the ball there because the guy's got his back to both defenders and he's got the extra defenders of the sideline and the baseline. You know, uh, Lawrence, you are in company with a couple of NBA players. Uh, I actually was calling... I'll say it. I'm calling the Bucks at the Timberwolves, and I'm going with the team from from our hotel over to the arena. And there were a couple of Milwaukee Bucks players that were in agreement with you that were really questioning Hubert Davis's ability to put his guys in position to avoid that scenario. Because you just what you said, you knew Baylor was going to have to trap. They were going to have to take chances. And what could go wrong seemed to go wrong for North Carolina down the stretch. Now, luckily, they were able to hold on and advance. But it wasn't pretty being up, I guess it was, what, 20-something points when Manic got tossed and it was like 10 minutes left and Baylor had this unbelievable comeback because of, you know, North Carolina seeming a little disjointed in terms of how they were going to break that pressure. Now let me flip it over to what I thought was some excellent coaching and so far in the tournament. It's a guy that the last time you were on the show we were talking about. I think Jawan Howard has done an incredible job in the first two games that Michigan has played. And it's a simple thing. He was playing man-to-man against Colorado State. They switched up to a matchup zone. Colorado State didn't know what to do. Same thing happened in Tennessee. And again, I'm like, did you not see it on film? Like, I know that the turnaround is really quick, and you, and you got to do a, a compressed scouting report, but I saw on Thursday Juwan say, all right, cool, we'll go to a zone. And they in Colorado State had no answer for it. Same thing happened in Tennessee. I thought it was brilliant strategy and deployment by him and great execution by, by Michigan. Yeah, I, I would second that because Jawan uh, Lawrence, he coming from the NBA, guys like Kelvin Sampson, uh, Jawan Howard, I believe have an advantage. And here's, here's what I mean by that they empower their guys to make plays. Okay, I'm going to give you this structure. I'm going to give you this approach. But if you see something and you can be instinctive and make a play, 
to get us a bucket, break the play. You know, go one-on-one if you see an opportunity. Throw it here where the defense isn't and make something happen. And so I think what you're seeing and what you're appreciating are coaches that are empowering players. I, don't, I still don't think there are enough college players, or coaches rather, that will empower their players to make plays. It's still very controlled, in my opinion. And I think that's where you start to see some of the, the teams that struggle when somebody throws an adjustment at them that, oh, man, you know, like their brain kind of short circuits because, all right, well, we have this approach against a matchup zone, but it's not working. So now we're stuck because it's not working. But yet I'm a player. I got to this level because I can make plays. Let me figure out how I can make a play and let me find the mismatch or the softness in this matchup zone to attack that area, regardless of what the coach says, because if you're having success on the court, the coach is going to go whatever the players are doing. So I think some of that is what you're seeing. Yeah, and, and you're the perfect person to talk about this because, one, you're super smart, but you're all, you were also a super smart basketball player. And I, as, as I, told, I told Brandon, I was like, hey, I want to get Bardo on the show. Like, in my mind, I could imagine you doing the same, like, like just waving your hand at the television, like, I can't believe some of this stuff that I'm seeing. Yeah, it was, it was hard to watch, <laughs> Lawrence, to be honest, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm pro player, and I'm always wanting all of these young men uh, to have success on the floor. And when you see guys have shortcomings or they, they, they feel inhibited uh, against what they could probably do on their own if they were empowered to do so, that's kind of what I'm seeing. And so, yeah, I, I saw a number of different situations where I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, and I guess my training as a as an analyst on television allows me to keep a lot of that emotion in check because when I'm watching a game for fun and I'm around people, I have to I have to really turn it back, Lawrence, because I don't I want people <laughs> to enjoy the game instead of me sitting there dissecting every little bit or what they could do or what they should do. So I'm 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 right there with you though. Nice moment at the end of the Michigan Tennessee game. And I, and I think a great moment for Juwan, and I don't think that he was trying to have a great moment. I just think that him consoling Kennedy Chandler, who was upset at the way that Tennessee played and then being kicked out of the tournament, I thought it was a great moment for Juwan Howard. How did you see it? I loved it because Juwan Howard, in a matter of a month, has shown us the range of humanity. Okay, I'm going to say that again. In one month, Juwan Howard has been on display nationally about the range of humanity. So we are, we are human beings. We get upset and we make mistakes. Him putting his hands on Joe Krabenhall, the assistant coach of Wisconsin, was a mistake. But then he comes right back around and he's a father in that situation. He's not a coach. He's a father. And when there's a young man that's hurting, that needs to be consoled and needs some love, there was no hesitation and it wasn't fake. It was, it was real. And I'm going to give you even uh, one better than that. After that, when he's consoling that young man, he sees his boys, Chris Weber, Ray Jackson, and Jalen Rhodes. And the clip of him hugging Chris Weber, jumping around, spinning in a circle, like they were back with the Fab Five in Michigan, I thought was outstanding. And him showing his humanity and what he's about and his teammates coming back to support him, that's really what college athletics is supposed to be about. Um, now, I'll be curious to see if they run that clip all week on ESPN 
and CNN and all that. I wonder if they'll run that clip like we were inundated with the clip of him making a mistake at Wisconsin. I, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think that it's only fair. And I thought I really thought that it was a genuine, like you could see, like that was someone showing empathy. And yes. and, and in those moments, I that's kind of what ideally you want the 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 college experience for players to be like. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds it reminded me of the way that NBA players respond to Greg Popovich, where mm. like he's not just the coach of the Spurs. He's the coach of the NBA and and seeing the way that guys interact with him. Hell, Pop has has coached other players while games are going on for other teams. And and I felt that way. I felt like, you know, here's a young man who clearly understands how great a player Juwan Howard was, NBA and college basketball, and he leaned on him, and Juwan was there for him, and I thought it was great. Oh, I thought it was wonderful. And, you know, you make a good point, Lawrence, in terms of, how do players look up to Jawan Howard? Because, listen, most of the guys that play at that level, at the Power Five and the, at the NCAA level, they have aspirations to play at the next level. He's one of the few coaches that have, that's had continued success in his short tenure at Michigan as a college head coach. And so I think, you know, I, I get a chance. I'm, I'm blessed to do what I do, and I get to see him up close. I see guys from other teams talking to him all the time. Uh, it may not be to the level of what Popovich has been able to create, but think about this. If Jawan is at Michigan another decade, which I can't see him not being so, uh, I think that he'll have a similar effect around college basketball on all players that look up to him and look to him because he's a guy that he, he understands all facets of it. And I think that that's one of the things that makes him special. What did you take away from the way that Illinois lost to Houston? I think that Illinois had more adversity this year than any other team uh, around the country. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, you start off the season without Kofi Coburn's suspension. Andre Corbello gets in concussion protocol. And there was something else in that story that we weren't told that I'm not, I wasn't privy to either. There's conjecture, there's theories. But there was something else going on because that young man never came back to return to the level that we grew to understand that he could play at last season. So there was a, the Corbello situation. There was they had a flu bug that ravaged their team. Uh, I believe it was in mid to late December. Then they had a, a COVID situation. Then they uh, Trent Frazier played pretty much with a separated shoulder the whole year. Granison got hurt towards the end of the regular season with a possible torn labrum. I mean, they, they, if it wasn't, if it wasn't one thing, Lawrence, it was another, they had a tremendous amount of upheaval and adversity that I thought Brad Underwood under the circumstances navigated beautifully. Now it stings for the Illini nation for them to go out in the second round and for them to play the way they did in the first round, uh, you know, uh, escaping that game but I think if you look at it a little deeper I think that they did probably as well as they possibly could because they looked pedestrian against Houston I mean they they did not look like they belonged on the same floor with them and it was it was tough to see DeMonte Williams and Trent Frazier go out the way that they did in their last games but I don't think it tarnishes the 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 careers that those young men have had and and their hand in helping the Illini return to this level. 
I am really looking forward to the matchup between Purdue and St. Peter's in, in Sweet 16 round because I think Jaden Ivey is the best player in this tournament. And there have been times where I've been frustrated by Purdue going, you know, you could just get out of the way and let that young man work. And, and it seems like in the first two games of the tournament, they've been able to do some of that. The St. Peter's story is so fun and fascinating. It's why we love the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Do St. Peter's have a chance against Purdue? Sure, certainly. Uh, you know, this is a team that they're undersized, but they fight, man, and they're so well disciplined. Um, you know, and I think that they're going to have to scramble. They'll they're going to have to double team and, and recover back out to shooters. But this St. Peter's team, if you think about it, Purdue is probably one of the bigger front lines that you're going to see in college basketball history. Not just this year, because there's not many seven foot four Zach Eadie's walking around. Right. That then then you follow up with a a six eight six nine multi talented multi skilled Travion Williams that can bang as well. So St. Peter's really handled the front line of Kentucky. They match their physicality. I don't think that the physicality part is going to be a problem for St. Peter's. What I think is going to be a, a depth issue, and that if if Purdue can get them in foul trouble. Uh, I can't, I can't pronounce Indefu, I believe. Indefo is the ultra, you know, multi-skilled uh, frontline player for St. Peter's that's really 6'7", that's doing yeoman's work in the paint. I don't know that if they get in foul trouble that they can withstand uh, the size and the depth of Purdue. Steven, as always, I appreciate you jumping on and breaking stuff down, and I feel a lot better now. I should have just texted you, <laughs> I, but I, I would have sent you like 100 texts like during the Baylor-UNC game alone because I was just sitting there just screaming at my TV. So I'm glad that I got some, some real context and, and some strategy on how to make these guys better. What's the next thing that's coming up for you that people should be watching and looking for? Well, I'll be doing Bartles Breakdown tonight, uh, my show on Facebook. You can find it, Bartles Breakdown. Uh, I've got three more Milwaukee Bucks games. I've got some good ones at Memphis this Saturday, at Philadelphia the next Tuesday, and then the Clippers April 1st. And then that will wrap up uh, my television radio coverage uh, for basketball this season. Man, it's I'm so glad that you're getting an opportunity to do NBA games because, I mean, you know the game, so it, it – it's it's great whether it's Bulls games or Bucks games. The fact that you're getting that run in the NBA, people will be taking notice, and it's good because you're the best that does it. Thank you, sir. As always, I appreciate you jumping on. Thank you so much, Lawrence. Appreciate you, my man. That is Stephen Bardo, flying a line eye point guard, college basketball analyst, now NBA analyst. It's so great to see when people get their opportunities and they like shine you know like you knew that Adam Amin would be really good doing play-by-play on the Bulls and he's shining you knew that Jason Benetti would be great doing play-by-play for the White Sox he's shining Stephen Bardo gets to work with Benetti on Bulls games because of COVID shining and now Bardo's getting a chance to like do games with Milwaukee too and that guy is so you heard it you heard it for 20 minutes him explain to you why he's so good at this and to see him be given an opportunity and him bust it, I love it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. I promise you more baseball talk. I would like to talk a little bit about both the Cubs and the White Sox, but 
We're going to hear from Jed Hoyer on Seiya Suzuki and what he thinks of him. That's coming up next. I'm Lawrence. You're listening to The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Mike Trout, I love you. I guess it is an ordinary day. You got a new player like Seiya Suzuki. Is that, is that the goal here? I heard him say, hey, hey, I heard him say, hey, hey. All right, so that's, that's quality top-notch producing right there, Brandon Fryer. The Cubs have a new outfielder, Seiya Suzuki. I heard the morning show today, they went with Heya. Also works. I like it. That's I, good. Your choice is better. It's a deeper cut. There's probably like 20 people listening that got that, even when I explained it. But that's all right. It's a deeper cut. It works. What a step us. That's right. The old heads out here got to represent. I heard him say, hey, hey, I heard him say, hey, hey. Anyway, Seiya Suzuki is now playing outfield for the Cubs. And before we left Friday, I was like, man, it'd be nice if we could hear Jed Hoyer talk about Seiya Suzuki, but his press conference wasn't until we got off the air. So Brandon was nice enough to pull about a minute of Jed explaining why they wanted to get Suzuki. For years, we have scouted Seiya for the Hiroshima Carp. Uh, His performance in Japan has been consistent and exceptional in all phases of the game. We feel equally good about who Seiya is as a person. We prepared a lot of research in anticipation of his posting. Um, All that research came back about how much he loves the game and how obsessive he is uh, with continually improving in all areas. And he's also incredibly popular uh, with his teammates. Uh, We've talked a lot about building the next great Cubs team. We signed Seiya to a five-year contract uh, because we believe he'll play a significant role in that success now uh, and that success in the future. What about his skill set made him such a priority? Yeah, so... For us, it was, you know, he has the ability, as a, he's a power hitter who makes really good swing decision, decisions and doesn't swing and miss a lot. So um, that's a really good place to start. He also plays you know, really good defense in right field with a strong arm. He's a good base runner. So in some ways, the, you know, the entirety of the game, but I think uh, in particular, I would say the, you know, the ability, like I said, to hit for power, uh, make good swing decisions, and also you know, not swing and miss, that's a, a really good uh, package to translate to the game over here. So does that mean that Jason Hayward is going to move to center until they, or is that going to be your take? Like they still got some outfield questions. Does he play left field now? What about Ian Happ too? Well, Ian Happ has got the elbow injury and he said that he should be ready, but is he going to be ready? And I I don't know. Like you've got some options now, which is good. I mean, Suzuki's going to be in the lineup every day. I don't see him platooning when you sign a guy to a, a five-year deal, but I'm interested to to watch him um, and see what his adjustment is like. I was talking last week on the show how I really like his swing, and it's a it's the first step. In the Japanese league, he seemed to have pretty good plate discipline too, but getting to know an entire league might take some time. Now, it might not. That would be the best part if it didn't for the Cubs, but I – 
I stand by the idea of if you know that two teams in your division aren't trying to compete, maybe you should do as much as you can to give your chance, your team a chance to win if it doesn't completely hamstring you from the future. There are plenty of Cubs fans that will tell you that the Cubs should be trying to compete every single year. That they should be spending money. And this is them, this is an example of them spending money. It also now has money that goes beyond like next year, their payroll, like Jason Hayward is still on their payroll for next year, but it's really low going into the Suzuki deal. So now you have a little bit of money that you spent on Suzuki, but it's not cost cost prohibitive looking at the way that the contract breaks down. I just look at that NL Central and go, man, it's winnable. But you're going to need some things. You're going to need Kyle Hendricks to be Cy Young consideration good. And he's been that before. You're going to need Marcus Stroman to be a top 30 pitcher in Major League Baseball. You're going to need Drew Smiley to give you innings. There's a lot that they need, but they could go out and buy it. They could buy some of their needs. We'll see. I, I'm really excited to see Suzuki play. Really, really excited. Meanwhile, there's another uh, quarterback story in the NFL. No, it's not with the Bears. They have their quarterback, kind of. Matt Ryan has been traded to the Colts. And there's a couple of things that I want to say about this because everything in the NFL seems to be connected. The first thing is, I think it's amazing the way that the NFL has acted. The NFL teams have acted once it became clear. Oh, wait, there's another quarterback deal that got done. Jameis Winston's back with the Saints. So there's like no place for Baker Mayfield to start. I mean, I guess Atlanta, but they look like they're got Mariota anyway. Panthers do. They say Carolina. Oh, yeah. Watch out for them. When they draft Cody Pickett, and then he's going to fight off Cody Pickett and Cody Pickett's small hands. Small hands, I know you're the one. That's not how the song goes, but you get where I was going with it. The way the NFL teams are like, oh, Deshaun's not going to face any criminal charges? Rubs hands like Birdman. When I saw that deal cross Saturday after Friday afternoon, I'm like, wow. So the 22 civil cases, that doesn't mean a thing, huh? They are willing. Now, if if you're like, if you're pocket watching on Deshaun, I doubt that he gets all of that 235 million, not because it's not guaranteed, but because I imagine he's going to serve a lengthy suspension. Because the NFL doesn't need a conviction. And there's a lot of smoke around him being creepy face. Like Stevie J creepy face. How many people you think got that reference, Brandon? Maybe a few. Not not as much as the hey, hey. Okay. But I mean, if you're talking about creepy faces, Stevie J. King of it. Yeah. And he still ended up with faith. It doesn't make sense. Don't matter. 
I just started throwing the creepy face out there. She got to start doing out here in these streets. Jeez. Anyway, so seeing NFL teams like fall over themselves to give guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. Now I, I'm not going to put him on the on the list of of Hall of Famers at the bank, which will be tomorrow's top five. I got I got another name that needs to be on the list for the Hall of Famers at the bank discussion. I went through it and I was like, oh, I got some names and this is fun and this is fun. And then I was like, there's a. Anyway, tomorrow, 1240. Top five, my top five list of Hall of Famers at the bank. And why they're Hall of Famers at the bank. It can't just be that they made the most money. It's got to be the most money for the least amount of work. It's got to be that. Can we switch it up too? Like you want to, besides the correct answers, can we do like the money sign? Like the sure. Money? Yeah, let's change it up a little bit since they go into the bank. How about we we use um, the Shane McMahon intro music? Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. We could do that, or you could do the the million dollar man. Money, 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 money. But we'll have some fun with it. But there was an NBA player where I was like, he's got to be on the list because what that guy is doing is amazing. But now you look at what happened with Cleveland where Cleveland was like, yeah, we're going to go after Deshaun Watson. And Baker Mayfield was like, "Uh, I am also here and I am a person and I have commercials. So I want to send this letter out. The folks in Cleveland were straight up cool. What did they say about Baker Brandon? About him being what? They needed an adult quarterback? Damn. About that? Yep. Like, damn. And we get Deshaun Watson, baby. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite the juxtaposition. But if you're Baker Mayfield and they're like, you're not an adult. Here's $235 million to Deshaun Watson. How do you feel about yourself? Right now, probably not great. And then you see that the team that you wanted to be, they're like, yeah, I want to be traded. And Cleveland's like, nope. And then they got Deshaun. He's like, well, I want to be traded. Why? We'll try. And now there's really no place to trade him. The place that he wanted to go, that they weren't going to let him go to anyway, in Indianapolis, now Matt Ryan is there. And I'm sure that Baker was like, well, uh, New Orleans needs a quarterback. Not anymore. Because famous Jameis is back in the building with the Saints. It's possible that Baker Mayfield is going to have to fight for a starting job. Now, I feel that there is some justice here. Because I think he should have to fight. I think that he should be a favorite to win. But I think that he should have to prove it. But I also feel bad because you're being told that you're not an adult. Meanwhile, they gave the entire franchise over to a dude that has 22 civil cases against him. With the creep face, like Stevie J.
It can't be good for your quarterback self-esteem. It's not like Baker needs the money. He's got all the money. I do wonder what happens to some of that money if he's not a starting quarterback somewhere. And I mean, a lot of those commercials were based on him being in Cleveland. Hi, I'm Baker Mayfield, and welcome to Charlotte. Like, what what are we doing? It's been a really weird weekend as far as the NFL is concerned with that. And the Browns have just said, look, man, we care about winning, and this dude can help us win. And maybe it's not the 2022 season, but then they were like, let's bring in Jacoby Brissett to hold things down because we need an adult to quarterback the team. He's probably the most adult. I mean, kind of comparing to Big Ben, I mean, he got suspended, what, six games, and then it got reduced down to four? Yep. So, I mean, I feel like some of these NFL teams probably called in just to gauge and see how long would Watson be suspended for actually. He's probably going to play some games this season. I would imagine he's going to play, and it seemed like to me that he's going to play with the blessing of Roger Goodell. Because The way that it was like, oh, we're interested, we're interested, we're interested. It it was as soon as as that news broke that there were no criminal charges, teams were like, we'd like Deshaun Watson in our area right now. Surprising. Back after this in the score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. So last week on the show, I was talking about how there's been an explosion in what we are willing to pay really top of the line play-by-play and color analysts. Al Michael signed his deal today with Amazon. He's going to team up with Kirk Herbstreet to call NFL games. I don't know if anyone was clamoring for Kirk Herbstreet to call NFL games, but so be it. They're all getting big dollars. When it came to ESPN and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, there's a they basically had to make a, a trade because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were still under contract and they were leaving their contracts early. Fox allowed this because I guess they didn't want to pay them $165 million to, to call games. But there's another component to it. Because of them leaving early, ESPN has to give Fox a game to be compensation. They trade off like picking which games are going to go on which networks because of their contracts with all these conferences. And so Joe Buck and Troy Aikman end up being traded to Fox for a game between Penn State and Purdue. This isn't the first time this has happened. Al Michaels got traded for a Disney character. So this stuff happens. But yes, there is now going to be an extra Big Ten game on Fox to compensate them for the loss of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Man, the things that happen at the height of this business are amazing. I'm like Martin talking to Varnell Hill. I'm trying to get to the Yams. Parkinson Spiegel will join me next here on The Score.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.